Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob. And this week, we are going to take a step back away from the desserts, away from the entrees, and get into what is essentially a side dish. It can definitely be treated as an entree, but I think you will find that it works better as part of a team. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're making a butternut squash and walnut risotto this week with, well, in my case, copious amounts of saffron. We'll talk about whether that's necessary later on or not or whatever. As you know, with each episode, you want to take a look at the show notes. In the show notes, we'll have a link to the Imager album, which will show the step-by-step -step preparation of the dish in photographs. And uh, we'll also have the pretty straightforward text recipe as well as, you know, the measurements. I, whenever I run through this on the audio portion here, I just kind of like give a cursory nod to what ingredients are used, but I don't get into the nitty gritty of, you know, exact measurements on everything. You know, sometimes when I introduce a recipe, I will say that like this is really ingredient dependent or process dependent or something like that. I would say the risotto falls into the process category, but more so in that uh, this is like one of the more hands-on active preparations. You know, sometimes some of these take a long time to make, but that's because there's waiting periods. You know, you put something in the oven for a couple of hours or you simmer it on the stove for a couple of hours or you season it and then refrigerate it for days or, or whatever. Or there's a million individual components that need to be made. In the case of risotto, there's really no way around just the hands-on active cooking. Like you, it's almost like a meditation, like a mindfulness that for the next uh, half hour to 40 minutes, I am making risotto. That's what I'm doing. I'm not going to be able to do a whole lot else, but the reward for that is pretty much, I, I, would, I would call it the apotheosis of rice. <laughs> and I'm sure that a lot of Asian cuisines would take offense to that, but man, risotto is just fantastic. It really undergoes this, this magical transformation during the cooking process to, oh, here's another theme. It becomes greater than the sum of its parts. Imagine that. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure what the internet's uh, feeling is on, on bedazzling risotto. I know, I know better than to, you know, uh, give my own take on a carbonara because they get, you know, dragged in the comments. But risotto, I think at its core is used to being dressed up either, you know, you, the, the classic uh, shellfish stock risotto um, or wild mushroom risotto or whatever. Or in this case, it's more of an autumnal ensemble of flavors with the butternut squash, the walnuts, the saffron, the onion, the, the, the cheese. It's, it's, it's very Thanksgiving-y. As a matter of fact, uh, if, you, if you take a look at the pictures and you're like, man, that would actually be really good as a Thanksgiving side, maybe copy the link to this week's episode and put it in your calendar for... I don't know, two weeks before Thanksgiving 2023 so that it pops up as a reminder and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. I was going to make that risotto. They can revisit the episode. You can get all your ingredients together. And uh, it, this 
probably won't travel well. So if you're having Thanksgiving at your house, it can be something that you make if you don't really feel like entertaining the guests, you know, all afternoon. Um, but I would definitely caution against making it, putting it into like a casserole or something, and then taking it 15, 20 minutes over the river and through the woods to grand grandmother's house or whatever you do for the holidays. But okay, so before we get into the ingredients, let's talk about the, what, what, what risotto is, how it becomes the final dish, you're going to want to use arborio rice. Okay. This is specific. Uh, it's a, it, the, the grains of rice are short, they're fat, they're very starchy. That's uh, the magical part of risotto is that we're using the rice, the starch in the rice to uh, very slowly absorb the stock, the, the liquid that's going to be cooking the rice. And as it absorbs that, that liquid, it's going to give up some of that starch into the liquid. It's kind of a give and take thing. And the constant moving of the rice, the tossing in the pan, um, the slow addition of, of liquid over time uh, creates like an emulsion um, between the, the butter and the, the oil, the wine, the stock, the starch in the, in the rice. And it really thickens into a sauce, you know, without, it's like you, you create the sauce incidentally, as opposed to like, okay, dish is done. Now we're going to come over here and make a sauce. It doesn't work that way. The sauce is part and parcel of the dish itself. Uh, I actually had, it's not really an epiphany. It was just sort of an, an apt analogy that popped into my head while I was making this risotto this evening. It, it's, it's like making a roux, except instead of trillions of individual grains of flour, you have thousands of individual grains of rice. When you make a roux, you, you want all of the, uh, all of the grains of flour to essentially be coated in the butter or the cooking fat. And then any residual moisture kind of simmers out. Um, and then you get like this, uh, really consistent paste. And when you're making risotto, you're doing something similar, like the, the grains of rice are coated in the initial fat, and then you're building up, um, you know, the dry ingredients and the wet ingredients into a, an amalgamated sauce and, and starch by the end of the cooking process. So the main thing you want to do is number the main thing you want to keep in mind is that this is an active process. This is something that you want to tend to. And like I said, it's like while you're making the risotto, you are making risotto. That is what you're doing. That is the extent of your activity. Okay. So it does have a, a big investment of time and attention, but man, it's just so good. And you can go back to towards the end of the summer. I think, um, at, I don't remember what the episode number was, but it was Asabuco and my my preferred way of, of serving asabuco is with risotto. I think that's the perfect textural, uh, starchy medium for sort of cradling the richness of a uh, slow cooked shank meat as it is. So that was, that was pretty much a, a blank canvas, uh, risotto. That was wine. That was butter. That was chicken stock. And it was just a long, you know, slow process of, of, bringing it into being. This one starts off the same way, but towards the end, we add a bunch of extra stuff in there and it kind of transforms it from, from the canvas that you would stack other flavors onto, to, uh, a, a painting in and of itself, you know, a very, uh, nice depth of flavor. There's sweetness, there's savory, there's a, like a woodsy nutty, everything is just really nice, really pleasant. And it is gold and orange and brown 
uh, it hits all the colors of thanks guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm definitely making the push to make this one of your signature Thanksgiving sides starting in 2023, baby. All right. So what are we working with here? We're going to work with, oh, here, this is interesting too. So I'm using chicken stock and butter, um, and, and addition olive oil and all that. But if you wanted to make this a purely vegetarian risotto, you could definitely sub out the chicken stock for vegetable stock and just increase the olive oil uh, content to make up for you know the the absence of butter. And, uh, and then, you know, do you make an exception for some Parmesan or Grana Padano or something like that on the cheese front? I mean, you could, you, you could omit the Parmesan, but, you know, yeah, it might be a bridge too far. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, ingredient-wise, we're going to be using chicken stock, olive oil, butter, onion, cubed butternut squash that I'm going to roast off in the oven ahead of time, just kind of speeds, speeds the cooking process. It, 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 it parallelizes the cooking process to, to borrow a, a, a CPU architecture term. You're going to be making some of these things in parallel and then they will converge at the end. Okay. So uh, butternut squash, one, one small one would be fine. Walnuts, just Plain, unsalted, raw walnuts. Fantastic. Uh, the aforementioned uh, risotto rice, arborio rice. A dry white wine. You don't have to get fancy or picky with this. I mean, I would avoid using something really sweet, you know, but like a, a Pinot Grigio, um, a Sauvignon Blanc, something that's kind of dry, crisp, has like a really forward, acidic flavor, but I mean, cheap, $10 bottle of wine, more, more than good enough for this particular dish. I used a, uh, a dandelion wine that I had made and bottled oh, by six years ago at this point. Um, you don't need a whole lot of it. It just adds a little bit of brightness, a little bit of the, uh, initial liquid and, uh, whether you're using, you know, a $500 bottle of, of champagne or, uh, you know, $7.99, uh, PA wine and spirits special. It's not really going to matter at the end of the day. It's just like, how drinkable do you want the 80% of the bottle to be that you don't use for the risotto? You know, uh, what else we, Oh, uh, so saffron, saffron threads, not at all required. My wife picked up a, uh, jar of saffron for this recipe for me from the grocery store. And it was like, 17 or $18 for this little tube of saffron. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I know saffron has uh, the reputation. I don't know if it still is, but at, well, at least at one time, it was like the, the most expensive spice by weight in the world. And it's like hundreds of dollars per ounce, but you get like you know, for 18, 20 bucks, you get a decent amount of saffron. If you don't want to use saffron necessarily, if you want to keep the, the bill for this relatively low, like a half teaspoon, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric added at the same time that you would add the saffron will give you uh, a little bit more of a bright electric yellow color, but it will, it'll definitely give you uh, a color transformation that you're looking for. Or you could just omit this saffron or turmeric. Neither one are, are required. Okay. The grated Parmesan, it doesn't have to be super long age, super dry, super mm, expensive import. It could just be kind of run of the mill Parmesan. Don't use 
Don't use the green shaky cheese thing. I mean, get like a wedge of Parmesan and grate it yourself. Finely grated, that would be best. And then salt and pepper to taste. And then we get into the fun part, which is making risotto. So I would definitely recommend doing a lot of prep work up front so that once you start the action of cooking risotto, you can devote all of your time and attention to that because everything else will sort of be on autopilot, again, running in parallel. So the first thing I did was using a vegetable peeler, I uh, peeled off the exterior rind of a whole butternut squash. And this, oh, this breaks my heart. This is the last butternut squash from last year's garden. So when we when we harvest our squash, we, we quote unquote cure them in the sun so that they kind of harden off and, and, and dry out where, where they've been cut from the plant. And then we keep them in a utility closet on like a shelving unit so that they have good airflow, they stay nice and uh, uh, not too warm, not too cold, not too humid, not too dry, whatever. And here we are, the end of January, uh, let's see, uh, September, October, November, December, January, five months later, and we just used the last one. It's a heartbreaker, but it was really nice. Uh, so we used the uh, vegetable peeler, take off the outer rind, split it down the middle, use a spoon to remove the, the, the pulp and the seeds, and then cut it into roughly one inch, three quarter inch cubes or whatever. Put those on a baking sheet, drizzle them with oil, salt them lightly, and put them into a 400 degree oven for half hour, 40 minutes, something like that. Basically you want them to, they'll brown up a little bit, but they'll soften considerably and uh, they'll just have a really nice, rich, uh, warm aroma. And that's what you're kind of going for. So we'll do that. We'll also finely dice that onion and get that started with a little bit of butter, a little bit of olive oil in a pan, just like medium heat. You're going to sweat these. You're not going to caramelize them. So it's not like we have to do this for hours and hours and hours. But if they're just kind of at the medium heat for the duration of the time that we're making the risotto, they will be translucent and soft by the end of the cooking period, whenever we mix everything together. Additionally, the walnuts, if you kind of just roughly and coarsely chop them with a knife and then have them accessible, but out of the way, um, about halfway through the cooking period um, on the on the onions, we'll add the walnuts to that and they will just sort of soften up. They'll absorb some of the, the, the liquid from the onions. They'll take on the oniony uh, flavor and aroma, but it's it, it mainly just to soften them so that you don't have these big crunchy bits in the finished risotto. Okay. So once you have those things started, what you should do is in, in a large pan, I use this big saute pan because it has high sides and I don't know, 14 inches, something like that of cooking surface. What you want to be able to do is toss the rice around. So having the high sides is helpful. Having a big flat cooking area, you, you don't want to put it in a high sided, you know, uh, stock pot because then some of the rice is always going to be touching the hot pan and the rest of it's going to be stacked on top of that other rice. So you kind of want to get it to where you can spread everything out in the pan. So using that saute pan, uh, I melt the butter, add some olive oil, and then toss the dry rice in that melted oil and butter so that each one of the grains is coated. <laughs> and, you know, if you make that lot, like boxed rice aroni, vermicelli, stuff like that, a lot of times they, they start off with like, oh, you know, toss the, the dry 
pasta or rice in the butter and olive oil and until it's golden brown. It never really turns golden brown. You really just want to make sure that you've coated all of the rice with the oil. And at that point, it's going to be hotter than it is acting, you know, because there isn't very much water content in the rice at this point. So we're going to add our white wine and that's going to be very lively. It's going to simmer. It's going to spritz and steam and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that'll be short-lived. Get that white wine in there. Stir the rice around with a wooden spoon. And then using like a, what would you call it? Like a saucepan, not a stock, but a saucepan will work. You want to get your chicken stock up to like a simmer. I should have, I should have said this whenever you're prepping the onions and the squash and everything like that. Get your chicken stock heated up in a, a saucepan adjacent to your risotto pan. And the reason for this is that we are going to add the chicken stock slowly over the duration of this cooking time. And you don't want to be adding cold stock to the hot rice because then every time you do it, you're killing the heat in the in the pan and you have to bring it back up to heat. The the starches and the rice could get a little gluey and sticky and you don't you don't want that. You want to be adding hot stock to hot rice and just doing it a little bit at a time over the course of, you know, half hour, 40, 45 minutes that you'll be making the risotto. So I like to keep a ladle handy because a ladle is, you know, roughly a cup of liquid that or you can also do a half cup or whatever if you do a, a, a portion of the ladle's cup and stock that you're adding to the rice. So put your first cup of stock in there and start tossing it around. Um, just little flicks of the wrist pushing, using inertia and, and, and gravity to sort of sling the rice towards the high side of the pan. And it'll, it'll like a wave, it'll fold back over on itself. Now, if you watch, if you watch cooking shows where they go to Italy and they go to the little, you know, risotto shops that have been in operation for hundreds of years or whatever, they're going to be launching the risotto up to it just like kisses the ceiling of the of the kitchen you know they're getting they're getting some airtime on that while i can certainly appreciate that this would accentuate the texture like you're getting a really good emulsion a good toss and you know all this stuff it's not it's not necessary you don't need to be slinging your rice you know super high up in the air just keep it moving keep your wood, wood wooden spoon handy most of this can be done with a flick of the wrist tossing the rice over in, in the in the pan. And then every once in a while, if you get tired of doing that, use the wooden spoon to just keep everything moving. Um, you know, run the spoon around the edge to kind of fold everything back into the middle and then run down the middle to spread it back out and then, you know, spackle it onto the bottom of the pan and, and then go back to tossing it. Whatever you can do to keep yourself interested and engaged with the with the task at hand you know make a game out of it because you it is really important to keep everything moving here and then as that liquid starts to disappear and as when when you go to flick the rice against the the side of the pan you notice it starts to cleave and it's not just this one fluid mass it's almost like um the beginnings of an avalanche when you see the snowpack break apart horizontally and then it starts falling like in like in sequence like like dominoes falling at that point you know you need to add more liquid that's sort of like your your gauge it's like oh it's time to add a little bit more of this hot chicken stock in and you can take another ladle full and uh and dump it in there and you keep 
tossing it around. Another thing, you definitely want to keep a tasting spoon handy because the uh, the cooking time is 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 going to be quite variable. And the reason for that is that you know whenever you when you're thinking about cooking a liquid and having that liquid sort of disappear, most of the time what you're doing is you're boiling off the water. So if you put chicken stock in a pan and you reduce it by half, you're concentrating all the the dissolved solids and the things that are suspended in the matrix of water molecules, but you're actually boiling off a lot of the water. That's what's um, causing it to concentrate. When you're making risotto, you don't want to be losing all of your liquid to evaporation and boiling. That's why you want to keep that that heat at like just at the simmering point and then keep the rice moving so that you're not letting it sit there and allowing a lot of that liquid to disappear into the atmosphere. However, because you are cooking it, some quantity of that stock is going to be lost as steam and it's very hard to to, to say from, from one person to the next, from one kitchen to the next, from one stovetop to the next, how much of the liquid is being lost to steam versus how much is being absorbed by the rice itself. So that's why I say, you know, I mean, if you get that temperature perfect, you might be done in 30 minutes. Uh, on the other hand, you might get to 40 minutes, be completely out of chicken stock, and your rice is still a little too al dente. So you might have to add, you know, a, a half cup or a cup of you know, water just to keep the, the cooking process going if you, if you lose a lot of um, liquid to steam. Um, the, the humidity in your house uh, definitely plays a part of that. I heat my house with a wood stove, so our air is a lot drier in the winter than what it would otherwise be. So cooking risotto in the middle of January is going to be a different cooking time with a different volume of liquid than when I made Asabuco in July or August or whenever that was. Okay. So those are just little things you have to keep in mind. You definitely want to, you know, when, once you start getting towards the end and you, you notice that it's starting to look the way it's supposed to, you'll want to sample the risotto to make sure that it is soft and creamy and, and perfect <laughs> because you don't want to you don't want to serve a bowl of bird seed, right? So anyway, uh, you're you're going to slowly add this uh, chicken stock, keep tossing everything around. When you when you add the last of the chicken stock, regardless of whether you need to compensate with some additional water afterwards, once you've added the last chicken stock, that's the point where you want to add your saffron or your turmeric, if you're using either one of them, to to the risotto. This will give it enough time to bloom, to uh, steep, to give up the color and the flavor of either one of those spices. You know, it's going to take 10, 15 minutes thereabouts for the saffron to really release that golden orange uh, color into the liqueur of the risotto. And, uh, you know, by, by adding it at the point when you add the last of the chicken stock or the vegetable stock or whatever you're using, um, that will ensure that you have a, a good period of time to allow that uh, the color to express itself. Okay. Now, when you get to a point where you're like, "This is almost done," you know, the the liquid has almost fully absorbed into the rice. The rice is soft. It's creamy. It's delicious, and everything. At that point you can add your grated Parmesan 
and you know cut the heat down a little bit you know we, we want to keep it warm but we don't need to be at you know just on the precipice of a simmer add your parmesan with your wooden spoon stir it into into the risotto gently so that it sort of melts and dissolves through the uh through the sauce uh, that's the difference between you know your harder drier cheeses like parmesan or like or grana padano as i mentioned at the beginning they will almost uh dissolve more so than they'll melt i mean they will melt they do get melty but they they disappear into the into the liquid into the in the medium that you're you're adding it to so you want to do that really gently at this point you can take your butternut squash out of the oven and very gently uh, scrape it into the same pan that you are sweating your onions and that you're softening your walnuts. And you want to very, very gently fold those ingredients together because you have softened that butternut squash significantly in the oven. You don't want to, you know, just masticate or macerate it. Masticate would be chewing. Macerating would be beating the heck out of you don't want to make mashed potatoes <laughs> you want to maintain some of the structural integrity of the butternut squash so just very gently fold it together and then transfer everything from that pan into the risotto and continue folding it with the wooden spoon until you have a, a pretty consistent uh, blend of all of the ingredients okay and at that point i guess just like a, a good steak or a pork chop, or you know, a, a roast, or something like that. You can let it rest for a little bit, not too long. You don't want it to get cold, but you could you can cover it to retain the steam and the in the the moisture, the hot that what you call it, the moist heat in the saute pan, and let it rest for five minutes. What that will do is allow the energized water molecules to settle down a little bit, allow the starches from the rice to set up a little bit. And uh, it'll it'll result in a nice creamy, velvety texture of the, the of the risotto in general. And at that point, you can plate it. You can serve it. You can do whatever. Um, if you are serving this as a side, as as I did, you know, it it, it stands alone by itself very nicely. But I can also see you know topping it with grilled chicken or you know flank steak. You know, like just seared and crusty flank steak that would be fantastic you know a, a really a, a sort of a woodsy sausage you know like a wild boar and wild mushroom sausage would be fantastic a sausage with apples or chestnuts or you know onion or something like that and it would be really nice also but you know whatever you want to do if you want to if you want to bedazzle the the risotto itself with a protein you can do that if you want to throw some chopped parsley or chive or something like that on the top you can do that but really it's just this luxurious but still rustic side dish that has you know all these autumnal flavors and colors and aromas and everything like that plus you invested you know the better part of an hour in making it and it, you were actively involved with the whole thing so um, sometimes you want you want the uh, the product of your labor to to stand alone be like look i didn't I didn't cover this with you know $40 worth of protein and hot sauce and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, it's just really good by itself. Okay. So that is um, butternut squash and walnut risotto. Uh, like I said, save this one, put it in your back pocket until 
Thanksgiving. How do you make it now just to see if you like it? And when you do, remember it for when uh, we've gone around the sun almost one more time. It'll be really nice. All right. Thank you very much. And talk to you guys next week.